This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 11, How to Stay Calm During COVID-19. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. Hello, today I wanted to talk about some current events. Coronavirus or COVID-19 seems to be what people are talking about a lot today, kind of to the point of frenzy and panic and mayhem. For me, uh, my children stayed home from school today for the first day for a two-week period. In other parts of the world, there have been stricter quarantines, and so there's a lot of unknown There are many empty shelves at the supermarkets or grocery stores as people buy up tons of food and supplies and especially toilet paper. That's been a big thing. There has been constant coverage of this on the news and we are constantly bombarded with information telling us that we need to be afraid. Some of the people providing this information get higher ratings or more clicks on their website if they have titles that are sensational or if they provoke fear. So it makes it very confusing for the average person who's hearing this information to know what to take so seriously and how much to panic. But I'm here to propose that panic really doesn't solve anything and is never a good solution What we should aim for is trying to be calm. That's the best situation for everyone and for ourselves included. Now, the emotion doesn't necessarily have to be calm if that doesn't resonate with you. It could be trusting or peaceful or hopeful or loving or courageous or neutral. Any of those things would be better than the negative emotions that we tend to feel in these panic situations like anxiety or worry or grief or scarcity or loss. I like to call emotions like worry and fear indulgent emotions, meaning they seem like they are necessary, it seems like they're productive, but often when you look at the actions that are produced when you're in a state of worry or fear, they're counterproductive and you're actually not able to focus and produce the best results or think as clearly as you would without those emotions. Eckhart Tolle says, worry pretends to be necessary. One example that came to mind is something that I learned from our dog trainer a couple weeks ago. She said with dogs that have a lot of energy, you can physically get their energy out by taking them on walks and letting them run around and playing catch, but you can also mentally exhaust them. So you would take part of the food that you would normally feed them and put it into some kind of toy or device that they have to work and mentally figure out how to get that food out. Because once they spend that mental energy, they are more physically exhausted. And I thought how true this is for us. When we are so stressed out, our thoughts, it's like they repeat on this loop a lot of times, and it's like we can't think of other things. We're just so obsessed with thinking thoughts over and over, looking for validation, looking for other signs of danger and news articles that might 
be more recent and give us more cause to worry. And it's just really mentally exhausting. And then it's also physically exhausting, which I believe gives us a higher chance of actually being susceptible to getting sick. I'm going to do an episode on the placebo effect soon, and it is crazy how powerful our mind is in producing health or sickness because of the placebo effect. Now, I'm not trying to say that what's going on is because of a placebo effect at all. I'm just trying to say that what's going on in our minds does have an effect on us physically. And not all the information out there is good information. Chances are, if you've been following things, you already have a pretty good idea of what the virus is and how it's spread and how to keep yourself safe. And you do not need to constantly be checking for the latest information. If you do, please go to scientific reputable sources like Johns Hopkins University has a website about coronavirus or the CDC, or the World Health Organization. So tip number one, I would say, is to stop looking actively for that information. Stop seeking it out. So especially if you're getting your information from the 24-hour news sources or from social media, there's even been some clickbaiting. So they'll try to have a really popular headline so that you click on it. And it's been linked to malware, so computer viruses because people are preying on these emotions and know that we're highly susceptible right now. In the Commune podcast by Jeff Krasno, he says, stay centered, follow the science, don't succumb to fear, spread information, not the virus. I stopped watching news and reading newspapers about a year ago because I felt like it wasn't helping me mentally. And so most of the information, honestly, I've gotten has been through social media. I haven't been actively searching out very much until researching for this podcast. So I'll share some of the interesting facts that I learned because generally what I've heard has been the sensationalized, panic-inducing, apocalyptic, worst-case scenarios. So COVID-19 is often compared to the common flu because it's in the same family of coronaviruses. COVID-19 started in 2019 in Wuhan, China, and was the fifth version or mutation of the seasonal virus this year. 80% of COVID-19 cases are mild. So that's part of what contributes to its spread is because people don't feel many symptoms and especially for many days, they don't feel symptoms at all. Now, what I've generally been hearing in the media is 14 days, but the John Hopkins University has more research now and has said that it's actually an average of about five days that it takes people to show symptoms. Some people show symptoms faster within two days and some people up to 29 days. So people could be carrying the virus and not showing any symptoms, but people are usually the most symptomatic when they do start to feel the symptoms because that's when they begin coughing or sneezing and actually spreading the virus. So the virus is spread through fluid that's emitted by either coughing or sneezing. So it's not just something that's lingering in the air. It's not respiratory. So if you were in an elevator, you would not get the virus 
in your system simply by breathing the same air as someone else. But if they coughed or sneezed on you or on something that you touched, then you could bring your hands to your face or have it absorbed by the mucous membranes. And then if it becomes infected, that's the disease COVID-19. So unless someone is coughing or sneezing directly on you, you're actually probably infecting yourself by touching other surfaces and then touching your face, which I learned that we touch our faces an average of 23 times per hour, which I had no idea. Now compared to the seasonal flu, there is a higher death rate. Last season, 31 million Americans got the flu and there were 30 to 35,000 fatalities, which is like a 1% mortality rate. Now with COVID-19, it's a lot harder because there are a lot of undiagnosed cases and so many mild cases that people may not be reporting. So it makes the math hard, but they're estimating anywhere from a 0.6% mortality rate on the low end to a high of 3% mortality rate. Also, the transmission rate of COVID-19 is higher than the seasonal flu. They estimate for each person infected they infect two to three others. So the seasonal flu is for each person infected, they have a transmission rate of 1.3. So definitely a higher transmission rate, and that's why they are doing all of the social distancing and limiting gatherings and trying to keep people away from each other and spreading things around. And they have shown that this has been helping to spread out that curve. So it takes stress off of the medical institutions. And kind of like in theory, if we all just went to the store in the times that we needed to go and bought the amounts that we needed, we wouldn't have shortages and we wouldn't be fighting over toilet paper. But the advice to social distance and to quarantine has not been taken well by many people and has seemed to cause even more stress and panic. People have had to cancel travel plans and maybe find daycare if their children are out of school but they're still working. People don't know how long it will last or if it will get worse. So our brains go into survival mode. There are links between chronic stress and decreased immunity. And even last episode, I talked about a study with victimization where people who felt victimized had decreased immunity. So it's like we have two big things going on. There's what is going on outside of us and how we're interpreting all of that information and how that affects our health. And not only are we more likely to get sick with worry, stress, and fear, but those emotions don't feel good in our body. There's only so long that we can feel them before getting completely overwhelmed. So with all of the emotions available to us, why would we choose those ones? Most of the time, we don't realize that we have a choice in our thoughts or our feelings. We think that we're just feeling fear because of the coronavirus. But it's really what we're thinking about the coronavirus or about the information that we hear. That's what's causing our feeling, not the information itself. The distinction is subtle, but it's huge. It's what we think about the circumstance that causes our feeling. And this is where we have all of our power. Because as much as we want to control the world or the actions of other people, really the only thing that we can control is ourself and how we think, feel, and act. 
So how do we get from that place of knowing this cognitively and really putting it into action? I would suggest first grabbing a piece of paper and just writing down all of your thoughts. What's stressing you out? What's giving you anxiety or feelings of scarcity? Or what are you worried about? Or how are you judging other people? Then try to separate out the thoughts from the circumstances. Remember, the circumstances have to be something that everyone would agree on. You could prove it in a court of law. So things like the shelves at the supermarket were empty is not really a circumstance. You would have to say how many things were left on the shelves. I've been to the grocery stores and there are significant things that are left there. They're just the less desirable items. Circumstances could be what someone said or what someone did but most of what you'll find on your paper and definitely all the things that are causing you pain are your thoughts. Remember Byron Katie says that we cause ourselves emotional pain or pain is caused when our thoughts are in contrast to reality. An example of a circumstance is that my kids will have online school for the next two weeks. Now there are different ways to think about that circumstance. Some of my kids actually, well, one of my kids wants to go to school and the other kids are thrilled about this circumstance. So different thoughts will create different feelings. If you're looking through your thought download, you could also find anywhere you've written down feelings. You can put feelings into the model. Remember, it goes circumstance, thought, feeling, action, result. But if you put whatever you're feeling, and that's a one-word description of a vibration in your body, whatever you're feeling goes in the feeling line, and you can work backwards and think, what is the thought that I have that's causing that feeling? So if the feeling is anxiety, you might have a lot of different thoughts that are causing that feeling. But just choose one, maybe the most prevalent one, the one you think the most. Maybe your thought that's causing anxiety is that we may run out of food. So you're thinking the thought, feeling the anxiety, and then your actions come from that feeling of anxiety. What do you do when you're anxious and thinking about that? You might be obsessing about finding foods, running to different stores, looking on Amazon or stocking up generally kind of acting crazy, hoarding food when you do find it. What actions are you not taking? Well, if you're stressed out that you might not have enough food, chances are you are not really looking at what the nutritional requirements are, doing research with a clear mind as to what would be necessary for two weeks for your family size, maybe looking up recipes of things that you already have. If you're coming from that place of anxiety, you're less likely to do those logical things that might actually help. And then the result of that is that you keep finding examples of how you don't have enough food and proving your brain right. So you look at the stores that are running out of food. And by panic buying and stocking up, you're actually creating situations where other people don't have enough food. And you end up exhausting yourself, but still living from this place of scarcity and not feeling like you have enough. Another example I've heard of a lot lately has been judgment of other people. There is judgment of people who are taking things too seriously. There is judgment of people who are not taking things seriously enough. 
people who are hoarding at stores, and people who shouldn't be leaving their house to go to the stores. We have lots of ideas about what other people should or should not be doing. And they seem justified, especially in this kind of situation where we do feel kind of like helpless victims at the mercy of how other people are acting or spreading this disease. But even in times like this, remember that other people can act how they want to. They will. They are going to act how they want. And the only thing that we do when we fight that is cause ourselves unnecessary suffering. The only thing that we can control is ourselves. And that's hard for us to do. Think of how hard it is to control ourselves. Most of us spend most of our time trying to control other people and not even worrying about controlling ourselves. We think our emotions just happen to us and they're caused by other people and the actions that they take. But other people's actions or what they say are just in our circumstance line of the model. We get to choose what we make it mean. If you think about it, most of us give our power away because the only thing that is in control, our thoughts and feelings, we're giving credit to other people and the situations. If we can take this time to reflect and really work on our mental health, we'll be able to not only feel better, but show up in the ways that we want to and that could positively influence other people. If you find that you are being judgmental of others or feeling fear or anxiety or panic, first of all, just acknowledge that you feel that. Times like these may bring up sides of us that we don't want to see or acknowledge or admit that are there. So instead of blaming other people for how we're feeling, acknowledge that we are feeling these feelings because of the thoughts that we are thinking. And that's okay. And then when we're ready to move on and change them, we can. It may be difficult to try to jump all the way to a positive thought about the situation. Maybe you could choose to feel something like courage, which is the beginning of the positive emotions, according to David Hawkins in his Map of Consciousness. If you can think of things to be grateful for and start cultivating gratitude, that can increase your immunity and your mental health. You could be grateful for the technology that we have that enables us to do so much remotely. Even feeling neutral about a situation is better than feeling negative about it. So are there any thoughts you can think that give you the feeling of neutrality? It might help to look for the good you see in humanity. I've definitely seen examples of people sharing and people going out of their way to help each other. If you are watching government or news reports, be sure and take an equivalent amount of time doing something positive, maybe listening to something uplifting or inspiring. There are a lot of guided meditations that are available for free online. And actually, because of the quarantine and social distancing, a lot of people are making resources available online. I've seen a lot of free yoga classes and exercise tips. People are FaceTiming their piano lessons and thinking of new and creative ways to help others as well as maintain their income. You could spend some time producing something instead of consuming. So instead of just taking in information and getting yourself more and more stressed, try putting information out into the world. 
or sharing your talents or helping people. Managing your mind at this time will not only help you, but also the people around you. Fear and panic are contagious, but so is hope and love and sharing and kindness. Your children may be watching you to see how you're handling this stressful situation, so you may be able to make a positive impact in your home by calming your own mind. As I've said before, I really believe that's more effective for your family and for helping them than it would be to panic and fear and go buy all the toilet paper. The Dalai Lama said, it's under the greatest adversity that there exists the greatest potential for doing good, both for oneself and others. Although it may seem you're at the mercy of the circumstances in the world and what's going on around you, I promise you if you take some time to reflect and really dig deep and think for yourself, you can find some wiggle room in those thoughts that you have, maybe some thoughts that serve you better. If you would like some help putting your thoughts into the model or some coaching on this topic or any other things in your life right now, I am happy to do a free 20-minute coaching session with you. Just email me, Betsy Jensen at you-bodyandmind.com. I'll spell that out for you in the show notes. You can also use that email if you have any questions or comments or suggestions that you'd like to get to me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.